Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording, Megan Elizabeth Collins tells us what boot camp is like. My story actually starts in college. Um, I just finished my freshman fall semester and I was bored out of my fucking mind. I did not want to do college anymore. It wasn't hard. I was just, you know, over it. We've all been there. You know, you first get there and you're just, you're done. Um, So I was like, I'm going to have to come up with an alternative solution, but one that will appease to my parents. So I thought the military, (laughs) of all things, would be a good idea. Uh, My family's military. My mom actually wanted to be in the military for a long time. Then my grandma got sick, and unfortunately... She couldn't join, so I had the battle of negotiation between leaving college, joining the military. We've met a middle ground, and I decided to take a year off, join the military, but join on the reserve side. So that way, when I was done with my duty, I could decide to go back to school if I didn't like the Navy or keep going. And because it's easy to switch from reserves to active duty, surprisingly enough. So I joined, and my story is going to be my boot camp story. So I'm going to take you on a journey. I don't know if any of you have heard, but your first week in boot camp is called Hell Week. Um, That's not true. It's actually the first three weeks, roughly, Um, because you got one week where you just hate your life. Uh, You're figuring out what the hell you were doing, deciding to join. And then the second week, you're being poked and prodded and being tested to make sure you're not, like, disgusting or have diseases in medical week. And then you have another week where you you run a bunch and you do a bunch of sit-ups and they pretend you're not fat when you get there because you look better when you leave and so my first week it was pretty good it was all right I remember my first day I got there and I was such a selfish asshole I went there and I'm like this is gonna be whatever my my recruiter was like you're just gonna fold some clothes you're gonna run some laps you're gonna go home and it's gonna be all all good so I went in thinking that I'm literally just gonna go and fold clothes and run some laps That wasn't exactly how it went. Um, I got there on the first day, and they make you do a urinalysis test. Of course, I didn't listen to them at the airport. They said, don't, whatever you do, if you have to go to the bathroom right now, don't do it, because you're going to do a urinalysis when you get there. I didn't listen, and I went to the bathroom at the airport. So I I get there, and they're like, well, you're not leaving this room until you give us a sample. So I drank a gallon of water and walked around in 86 circles. I counted them. 86 circles until I had to go to the bathroom. I drank so much water, I no longer had to go to the bathroom, but I just threw up a bunch of times. So day one, I was off to a great start. I embarrassed myself by throwing up and was the only one who couldn't give a sample out of 100-plus people that showed up that day. Um, But it got better. I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't awful. But I felt as though I was getting tricked. This is where I felt duped. I was like, "Mm, we haven't folded any clothes yet. And we haven't run any laps. I was like, where's where this going? That first night, you have the people that cry, which, you know, whatever, that happens. Um, you have the people that talk amongst themselves, wondering why they're there. And then you have people like me, who are in the corner rack at the top, not near anyone. For some reason, I don't know why they did that. Maybe it's because I didn't give my urine sample. But they separated me. And I, I slept on the top rack, and I stared at the the ceiling. Anyone who's been to boot camp knows what it looks like. It's pretty plain. Um, And I just kind of laid there and was like, damn, I feel alone. 
It was weird. It was a weird moment because I've never felt that before. I was fresh out of high school. I was living with my parents. And even in college, I had roommates and friends. And it was normal. But in that moment right there, I had no friends. I didn't have my family. And they had taken my phone away. So I felt alone. And it was weird for me. It was a, it was a weird moment. Um, I went through the next three weeks. And everything was kind of fine. You're not allowed to talk to anyone for like the majority of your first few weeks there. So you, you don't really establish any friendships. You're taking a lot of tests, written exams. So you're kind of self-sufficient in that aspect, at least. Um, until after hell week. After hell, well, week. After hell weeks. We got out, and we were starting to get a little more lenient with each other. They were letting us talk. And it was nice because we were starting to form friendships. Um, at that point, we'd probably lost about 26 people total between medical reasons. They couldn't run the laps. They couldn't fold the shirts. There's tons of different reasons, really. Um, they couldn't urine sample. I did donate the next day, guys. Don't worry. I made it through. But we lost about 26 people, and it was hard because now you're at this point where you're realizing that you can get sent home for any reason. And I was like, hmm, this whole idea of anyone can join, anyone can do this, it was kind of a weird thing. I was like, hmm, it doesn't seem like that. You're sending a lot of people home for a lot of different reasons. Some people just chose to go home. The best saying it is anyone who's in the military knows that the saying that the recruiters tell you is the fastest way out of boot camp is to graduate. Um, that is true. I remember when I graduated, the people that were kicked out for medical reasons or just didn't want to be there were still there two months later waiting for paperwork to get filed to go home. So it's true. Fastest way I was graduating. So I'm glad I didn't quit because I'd probably still be there today, um, five years later, waiting for paperwork to get through. Um, but it wasn't bad. I started to make friends, and it, w- it was good. We, we started to, g- to get to know each other, and, and we seemed to have weaned out the people that were going to get get kicked out. So I thought. Um, it was a typical typical morning. Me, me and the two friends that I had made, um, her la- one whose last name is Razor, the other one was Miller. I'm not making that up. Her, na- her last name was Razor. She had a short haircut, and it was spiky. It's just whatever you're picturing in your mind, that's really what she was. She, that was her right there. She was great. Um, I had made two friends, and it was really great. We would always wake up early because we got thrown into leadership positions. I like to talk, and that bit me in the ass in boot camp. So I couldn't keep my mouth shut, so they decided, well, she's not going to shut up. She's going to work for us. So I got thrown into a leadership position. Me, Razor, and Miller, we'd always wake up early. And one morning we woke up and we realized someone was missing. And (laughs) you don't really go missing from boot camp. I just want to say they pretty much lock all the doors. Um, So you can't really go missing. So we're trying to figure out where this girl went. She couldn't have gone that far. All of her uniforms were still there. The only things missing were one PT outfit and her shower shoes. Um, So she couldn't have gone too far. Before we know it, all these red alarms start going off. And the red alarms aren't just for your room. They're for the entire base. So the entire base's alarm system's going off. And all of our leadership is running in. They're like, are we all accounted for? And as badly as we wanted to go, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, nobody's missing here. We couldn't say that because we were missing somebody. And it was... Turns out that she was, um, how do I say this? She was crazy. She thought mentally, she thought she was a tree. Um, We all went to the window 
because they said we found her and there she was in the lawn this is her exact exact motion here she had her PT shorts a sports bra her t-shirt tied around her forehead and her shower shoes like this and she was standing there and all the MPs were around her and they're like yelling at her and she's like I'm a tree and I'm not moving and we're all like what the fuck is going on like this happens like what and it was crazy because I went from being alone to laughing and realizing that okay maybe we're just going to fold some shirts and run some laps and it's not going to be that bad the next three weeks after that is when it's good that you made friends because you're doing all your team bonding activities you're doing your firefighter and your gas chamber all that fun stuff I won't get too much into that it's kind of boring but it was nice because in those moments where testing you really only needed yourself these kind of agility things you really needed each other because you couldn't have done it by yourself so it was nice so we had we had our friends but then a moment came where I don't know if anybody's experienced this where you just wake up one day to a bad feeling I don't know if anybody had those you just wake up and you're like something's gonna happen today you just know it is and we had that day, we woke everybody up fairly early always just because it's better to be up before the alarms go off. Makes you the rest of your day easier if they don't have to yell at you. And we all went to breakfast and it was normal and I was sitting next to Razor and I was sitting next to Miller as I did every morning. We weren't talking because you weren't allowed to. And it was just weird. It was a weird feeling. And we marched back to the compartment and standing in the doorway was two chaplains and two officers, just lieutenants, and they said, I need all the females, we need to talk to you. And I was like, that's it. I knew something was up. I knew something was wrong with that day. We were so close to graduation, we were only two weeks away from seeing our families, and just something wasn't, something wasn't settling that morning. We walked in, and we, they sat us down, and they took leadership, and they took leadership into the other room, and they gave us synopsis without giving details or names of what was going on to the rest of the people, but they had to tell us, because we were in charge of our unit, we needed to know. Razor and I start looking around, and we can't find Miller. Um, it turned out that Miller got a phone call that morning, and her dad had hung himself two weeks before her boot camp graduation. And they told us, and I think that was the first moment in my life that I was speechless. I couldn't even say, oh my God, like I couldn't, I didn't, I had nothing to say. What do you say to that? You're 18 years old. You'd never experienced anything like that. You finally made friends. And now one of your friends is going probably through the hardest thing they'll ever go through in their life. Of course, she's not around. They had taken her already. Um... They'd taken the rest of the, the compartment out, and our chief came in, and she said, I know you guys are friends. I'm going to allow you to help her pack her things. Um, it'll be nice to have some friends. So that was nice of them. So we started packing up her things, and she hadn't come in yet. She walks through the door, and she, she wasn't crying. She wasn't sad. She just had a blank look on her face, um, and she walked in. We packed her things, and Razor just, we were still so speechless, you know, what do you say? Nothing you're going to say is going to make that better, you know? So we're all just silent, and we're packing up her things, and Razor looks at her, and she finally says, what's going to happen? And Miller looks at us, and she said, they gave me two choices. Um, I'm going to go to the funeral. I can either come back here, or I can get discharged honorably, and, and 
and go home with my family. We didn't even take a moment to ask her what she was doing. It wasn't our business. And we just helped her pack her things and we let her on her way. Two weeks left and one of my only two friends was gone. It was sad. We went through the rest of boot camp puzzled, but at the same time, you have to remember, we're two plus months in and two days away from seeing our family. So whereas it was sad, we eventually started to get into the fact that, all right, we're, we're going to get excited. We're about to see our families for the first time. We get to call them every once in a while, but it's not the same. So we show up at graduation that morning, and we're in a full whites, and we're getting ready to march to the, um, to the big convention center where we're, we're graduating, and we're getting all in formation when a big black GMC truck pulls up. First thing that came to my mind was like, Obama's here, but it wasn't. It wasn't Obama. I thought that would have been cool, though. I was like, oh, shit, dude, Obama's at our graduation, guys. Like, we're special. <laughs> it wasn't him. He didn't care. Um, but who, who jumps out of that truck? No and behold, Miller jumps out of that truck. And you're so excited, but at the same time, you're like, what the fuck are you doing back here? <laughs> like, why would you come back here? And we weren't supposed to be talking. You're not supposed to be talking when you're outside at all, ever. When you're marching, you don't talk. Um, but she came right up to us, and Razor, because she's more of a big mouth than me, was, was like, dude, what are you doing here? Like, we're happy. Well, don't get us wrong. We're happy to see you, but what are you doing here? And she looked at us, and she said, they told me that I could come back here and fill out my contract, or I can go home, my, home to my family. And all she told them was, I no longer have a family. So what am I supposed to do? So she looked at us and she said, you're the family I have now. So uh, it made sense to come back here. She said, it doesn't matter that we, all three of us have different jobs, and after this afternoon, after graduation, every single one of us is getting on a different flight to a different area of the country to train in different aspects. It doesn't matter because you guys will always have my back, and I don't have anybody at home anymore. And it was one of those speechless moments again. You just, you kind of pat them on the back, and you say, let's do this. If that's what you want, we're going to support you. So we marched in. And I'm still thinking about Miller while we're walking, but at the same time, I'm thinking about seeing my parents. I'm really close with my younger brother, so I was really excited to get to see him. And my mom, you know, she's wanted to do this forever, so she's got her, like, proud Navy mom shirt on with, like, sparklers, which probably weren't allowed. But she was so excited. I remember I walked in, and we're, like, all wearing the same thing, and they give us weird-ass haircuts, so we all look exactly the same. We all look like boys, sorry guys, but we did. We looked weird with our bowl cuts. And I remember, because I walked in and I knew that was her right there. But she had no idea where I was. She's still like, like looking around like, oh yeah. And I'm just like, I see you, I see you, it's good. So we do the whole graduation, we wave our flags, we march like, yeah, look at us. We learned how to walk in a line together. And it's really great. And then at the end, they're like, you can go see your family. And, of course, I go running to where she was, and she wasn't there because she had relocated, thinking she probably had better view from this side. So now we're both, like, wandering around this building with everybody else trying to find each other. And I'm like, well, now the sparklers are out, and she's not wearing her stupid T-shirt. Everyone's got the dumb T-shirts on. I'm like, what are we going to do now? And I see her. She's in the corner, and I start running to her. My brother just, like, tackles me from the side. And I literally fall. And I'm in whites, people, like, black 
just all down my side because I fell on this cement gross floor. I didn't care. I was like the happiest I'd ever been. I saw my brother. I saw my mom and I gave her a hug and I remember the first thing that came out of her mouth wasn't, oh, I miss you. So glad to see you. It was, what's it like? And I'm like, I don't know how to answer that. I was like, no matter what I say, you're not going to understand how I felt the entire time I was there. And I know that she's wanted to do this for a long time, but the best answer I could come up with for her was you'd have to experience it yourself. So whereas I tell this story to you guys tonight, and thank you for listening, I really appreciate it, it's one of those things where it was more of a feeling than an experience. And though I was duped into joining, I don't regret it one bit. I absolutely love being in the Navy. And I appreciate you guys listening to my story about me being duped. It was a lot of fun getting to talk to you guys. But that's my story, how I was tricked into going to boot camp. If you'd like to tell a story like this one, or just enjoy the show, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org, where you'll find a list of upcoming shows, plenty of ways to pitch your story, and our podcast featuring storytellers from previous shows. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.